Jeff's, Jeff's Wonderland. And welcome once again to the Wonderland, everyone. I'm Jeff, and I'll be your host for the next 20 minutes or so for what promises to be, at best, a spectacular journey of alternative thinking, unassailable reason and incisive observation, and at worst, 20 minutes of your life you'll never get back. But hey, this is the Wonderland, the very nature of which is that, just like life, you never know what you're going to get. And I'm game if you are. So let's put on our big girl pants and get into it. Now, speaking of big girl pants, I want to talk a bit about my sister, who, for some time now, has been the member of a book club. And no, she's not really big. She's not really small, either. I'd say she's about average size. But like most people, she does occasionally wear trousers. I should also mention that in the past, she's been rather keen on horse riding and may have at some point worn those old-style jodhpurs, you know, the big puffy pants once worn by horse riders and others. I've never been able to work out why they needed to be so big. Maybe for storing sandwiches. Anyway, in order to talk more about my sister and her apparent love of literature and tendency to wear comfortable trousers whenever appropriate, we must once again turn to that ever-reliable repository of essential information. That's right, it's time for Theory Time. Yo, you can't know what you can't know. I'm going to tell you what I think I know. And I know what I know. This is what I know. Theory Time. And welcome to Theory Time. Yes, my sister really is in a book club. And having heard from her about what this specifically entails, I've reached the inescapable conclusion that a lot of social constructs slash regular gatherings like this are actually fronts for other things entirely. They are essentially excuses for things which, if people were inclined to be completely honest about their motives, would be called something very different indeed. Now, that isn't to say that this book club does not involve a love of literature to some degree. And I do believe that books are indeed discussed during the meetings. But my point is that the overriding incentive for someone to join a book club or a tennis club or a bridge club, in fact, almost any type of club, is that it affords them an opportunity to do things other than just involve themselves in the supposed subject of said club. You know, things like drinking, eating, gossiping. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with any of those pursuits, but it's interesting the way that the same people who are involved in these clubs would often run a mile from joining any club called a gossiping club or an eating club or a drinking club. Okay, that last one would actually appeal to a lot of guys that I know. And only because men are never ashamed to be thirsty. Okay? At least in my experience. Now... I do realise that there is also such a thing as a social club, called a social club, you know, the such and such social club. But the name social club has a bit of a stigma about it. Being an honest, if still slightly ambiguous, attempt at describing precisely what it is. And for that reason, I wouldn't mind betting that a lot of these social club members will be keeping their memberships a bit on the lowdown, a bit hush-hush, a bit need-to-know. The reason for this would be that people generally do not like other people to know what they're up to in any way, shape or form, especially if there's any indication that whatever it is they're doing is an attempt at getting an actual life. 
And that's because we all want the rest of the world to think that we're perfectly okay. That we don't have any issues, that we're not angry or insecure or sad or lonely or frustrated, and so on. And so enter the book club, or the tennis club, or the darts club, or the goldfish appreciators club. Any club involving a specifically descriptive adjective before the word club, because it provides an effective smokescreen for the members' true motivations. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that there's anything sinister going on behind the closed doors of what are merely social clubs with different names. However, I do believe that words like tennis and book and darts and goldfish, indeed, look, any word that you want to give to any type of club could one day be effectively decoded to indicate the real reasons certain people are keen to get involved with them. Which could prove me completely wrong, read the motives being completely innocent, etc. For now though, my sister can rest assured that she and others will continue to be ostensibly protected from undue scrutiny through her ongoing involvement in her ostensibly harmless and informal book club during which I'm sure members are permitted to wear comfortable jeans, leggings and so on. Having said that, I would advise caution to anyone considering membership of a trouser club. This is what I know. Theory time. And that was today's snug fitting and somewhat comfy but nonetheless cautionary episode of Theory Time. And speaking of time, it's now time for Song of the Day, during which we take a sneaky peek at one of the many songs I've written and recorded over the last 30 years or so. Now, this song is rather appropriately called Wait For Me. Appropriate in so much as most of you have unwittingly waited your entire lives to actually hear it. It's from an album called Wait For Me, which I recorded in Germany in 1994. So it's the title track, one I wrote in Australia a few years earlier and which was also on my very first album, although this version is a complete re-recording. Confused? I know I am. Anyway, look, I like both versions, even though I think this one has a bit of an edge in terms of being more polished. Anyway, take a listen, see what you think. Here it is, the 1994 version of Wait For Me.
things I do not need to know. And there you have it. Wait for me. Circa 1994. One of these days I'll play the 1990 version. And we can do a bit of a back-to-back comparison, maybe. Or maybe not. Anywho, if you'd like to hear the rest of the song, you can do that on my website, which is www.jeffhealy.com, or you can go to any of the music streaming services, including YouTube, where you will find all of my albums, all of my singles, and if you're on YouTube or the website, you'll also find the music videos for some of the songs, mostly the most recent ones. So please do dig in. And speaking of digging in, I reckon it's about time we dug into something a bit different. So prepare yourselves for five minutes of improvised lunacy as we pay yet another visit to... Good Times with Big Jeff and Little Kev. Guess what, Jeff? What, Kevin? We're not in the same room, are we? We are not in the same room, and that's probably a good thing because yeah, I don't you're, have to look you're at in you. the toilet, and I'm in. No. <laughs> no, that's actually not true. But I could be theoretically. I could be in any room. I could be lying down on my back under the car talking to you, and you, you wouldn't could know, be unless you, I you do you. sound a little bit constrained. I am constrained, but that's because I haven't yet had my coffee this morning, and oh, I'm not going to go further in. Let me tell yeah. you right now, I'm right, unconstrained. I think I you you are unconstrained. Yes, as one. You would know be. what I mean. We're doing remote good times at the moment, aren't we? Like, does that mean it's like remotely? They're remotely good times, you know. It is remotely. It's remotely all right. It's remotely good times. Yeah, but it's good because it means that we can do this from anywhere, which is fantastic. Exactly, and this is not a COVID thing, is it? This is just no, because we're actually live in different countries. Not so much COVID as covert. Oh, there it is. Ooh, I like there that. There it is. It's not bad, like is it? Now, Kev, before we get too far down the track with absolute meaningless nonsense, on one of Careful. our previous segments, you mentioned we were talking about the difference between kayaks and canoes. And yes, we were. Yeah, and if you recall, you mentioned that you'd been in somewhere in France, I believe, on a canoeing Southern France, trip. Yeah. Southern France. On the and Ardèche. Ardèche. In the Ardèche, which is a bit like the Ardennes without the Second World War, I think, or something, isn't it? So you don't have to have people shooting at you. No idea what you're talking about. No, it doesn't really matter. I'm Um, a man of modern times, Jeff. You are a man of modern times, and we'll come back to that thought later. Anyway, you lost everything in the canoe when it overturned. Is that correct? (laughs) I didn't lose my house or, like... You know, my yacht. Oh, Actually, I don't because have Because I yacht, thought so. you'd kind of lost your family and your house and your all your money, your investments, your job. You, you know, know, basically. No, what I did lose was my, you know, self-respect. That's what I, that's what I lost. Oh, that doesn't I, count for much. You know, because I mean. not much, really. No, not really. No, I just wanted to clear that up because I didn't want people yeah. sending in, uh, and I think a few people have this, some really big stuffed envelopes over in the corner that I'm just keeping there, you know, sending in, you know, donations. You know, Kevin lost like everything. Like care packages. Generously. That's yeah, exactly of thing. like care packages. Like, oh my god, he's lost yeah. everything, even the shirt it, off his back. Let's give him a t shirt, or should we give yeah. him a button down? Well, you could do that, you could give him anything. Look, give and him it, anything, folks, because basically, when you've lost everything, anything is good to have, exactly. So, you know what, Jeff, what? we could we could go back to that and say, I really did lose everything, and yeah. donations are accepted. <laughs> I lost everything. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what you send him. Something is better than nothing in my Exactly. View. But listen, here's here's the other thing. What right. if I lost my mind, Jeff? What, what then? Uh, no, well, that's not possible, Kevin. You can't oh. lose what's already gone, all right? 
<laughs> okay. You, you, had me, anyway. you had me there for a second, I thought. Hmm? I, thought okay. I, I thought I did. Anyway, you mentioned in the past segment, you, you, and quote, you said something about these modern COVID times, and it got me thinking, Kev. It got yeah. me thinking. And I thought, under what That's circumstances scary, by could, the way. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, what, the COVID times or what I'm about to no, say? No, that you're thinking at all. Uh, that I'm thinking, yeah, well, I have to <laughs> shake my head a bit before I start, you know. There it is. Yeah. Anyway, I thought, under what circumstances could you have a conversation with your friend in Starbucks and you could say, well, in these ancient times, it wouldn't make sense normally, would it, Kev? But why would you want to say ancient times? You may want to say it because you just wanted to say something that you couldn't normally say and make sense. So I've come up with the Hmm. scenario in which it would make perfect sense. Okay, Jeff. Bear with me. A lot of time in your hands, huh? Yes, too much. Um, Yeah, that's not all. Anyway, so um, let's imagine that you have a time machine, all right, and you have decided to move to the future. All right, if, if it was that easy. So, are we yeah, writing get, a script right now? Are you writing a script? For no, I'm not writing anything. Okay. No, but everything's being recorded, so I can write it later. Okay, so okay, just good, to good. warn you. Okay, so you get in your time machine. You say, oh, I'm a bit bored with the present. I want to go into the future. So you take a trip 500 years into the future, and you're living there happily among what the people or creatures or whatever is going to be around in 500 years. And then one day you think, oh, gee, it'd really be good to hang out with Kev again because, you know, you're back in the present like now, right? So I get mm-hmm. in my time machine and I go back to the past, i.e. back to now. And we meet up and we have a coffee. We're sitting in Starbucks. My time machine's parked outside, you know, disguised as a bicycle, which of course is possible because with that sort of technology, you can do anything. Okay. So, and we're sitting there having a coffee. And then I'll say to you, well, Kevin, in these ancient times, blah, 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 blah. Right. And it'll be correct. Right. Right. Not bad, eh? What do you think of that, Kevin, as a concept? I've got to get a coffee. Good times with Big Jeff and Little Kev. And we'll be back with Little Kev and Big Jeff and more good times in two weeks' time. So stay tuned for that or not. Now, I'm sure that a lot of you can appreciate that having grown up in one country and then as an adult moved to another continent is always going to result in comparisons right? I mean, it's inevitable. And these are, for the most part, interesting, sometimes a bit frustrating, and sometimes bewildering. As in, what the flop? Anyway, look, I really want to talk a bit about that, but not before we make our way to the perfect platform for just such a discussion. And yes, that's right. It's Jeff's Thought of the Day. Welcome to Thought of the Day. Now, when I more or less settled in Germany in 1998, I'd already been going back and forth between Australia and Europe for about seven years. And although the tendency to compare was strong and automatic, I was also fully aware of the necessity, if I was ever to actually live over here, to take that whole comparison thing down a notch, to make a concerted attempt to accept things as they are, where I am and not as I think they should be, that is, as they are back in Australia. Now, this isn't always easy, because your memories of the way things are done in one place don't just bugger off once you get to the next place, even if you want them to. And so I ultimately came to accept the reality that part of my brain was always going to be automatically slash subconsciously comparing this with that. 
Now, one of the first things I noticed about living in this part of Europe, other than the fact that everybody drives on the wrong side of the road, was that most of the vehicles on the roads, even the crappy vehicles, are basically in pretty good condition. This is because Germany and Switzerland, at least, have very high mandatory standards when it comes to vehicle roadworthiness. Higher than what I'd experienced growing up in Australia, and definitely higher than what I saw in certain parts of the US, where it seems to be perfectly legal to drive anything at all, in any condition, on any public road, provided there's at least one wheel involved. Now, I actually think it's great that they have such high standards over here in that area, but there is one strange twist, almost like a contradiction to all of this, which serves almost as a reaction to an effort to achieve perfect motoring safety. And that is, I think, mostly applicable in Switzerland and Germany, two of the safest, most organised and law-abiding countries in the world. And it's this you will see the weirdest-looking contraptions on Swiss and German roads, mostly at weekends, but also on other days of the week. And I'm not talking about vintage cars and motorbikes, no. What I'm talking about are vehicles which, frankly, defy categorization. Many of these seem to be 30% motorcycle, 30% drag racer, and 30% washing-up rack. Now, to their credit... The Swiss and German road safety laws do seem to mandate helmets for anyone riding these types of vehicles. But here's the thing. These contraptions would be about as safe to drive around on a public road as would be a kid's tricycle with a jet engine strapped on. Yet they are always in perfect condition and all of them are faithfully registered with number plates. But at what point... Did the road safety regulators leave the room for long enough for these things to make it onto the road and stay there? Look, I don't want to be a killjoy, particularly in countries where it's sometimes difficult to get a really good laugh, but when you look at how exact and legislative and controlled this part of the world often seems to be in so many ways, it's a tad surprising, to say the least. And I have to admit... It's actually nice to know that somebody somewhere in both governments might actually have a sense of humour, even if it is at the expense of driver safety. But, you know, maybe it's not so much a sense of humour, but more a really solid sense of simple pragmatism, such as I myself might have gotten from my dad the first time I went out for a spin on my Melvin Star 10-speed racing bike to which I'd attached chopper-style handlebars, a la... Well, if you want to ride around on that thing, you please yourself. You're a bloody idiot. You deserve what you get. I think, I think it was the thought of the day. And on that nostalgic and safety-conscious note, we bid a fond farewell to Thought of the Day for today. And of course, that's the end of the show too, which I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please hit the subscribe or the follow or the like button and you'll make an old man very happy. And of course, I'm talking about little Kev, not me. Okay. Although you'll make me happy as well. But uh, anyway, look, seriously, I want to thank Kevin Owen McDonald, my good friend, and little Kev, who is one and the same person, <laughs> for being on the show today. And of course, little Kev will return with me very soon. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with me, please do so via www.jeffhealy.com, as it's always great to hear from any of you about anything at all. So, the only thing I've left to say is farewell, take care, and I hope you'll join me here again next Friday 
for another essential episode of The Wonderland. Gotta get back to just Wonderland. Gotta come back to the Wonderland. Just Wonderland. Just Wonderland. Just Wonderland.